I'm Sherry. And I'm Fran. Welcome to Modern Whittle, another great show this week. We are discussing an article from the New York Times titled, We Know the Cure for Loneliness, So Why Do We Suffer by Nicholas Kristoff. And we have invited our friend and life coach, Jay Julian, back on the show today to discuss the cure for loneliness. I have a feeling that we have all felt lonely at some time or another in our lives. But before we bring on Jay, Fran, you know what time it is. It's time for weekend shenanigans and notable events. Well, unfortunately, my shenanigans once again consisted of dealing with being under the weather. I finally got a definitive diagnosis of pneumonia, and I am now on the appropriate medications. So I am feeling better, and we are planning on heading into Chicago tomorrow for a concert, uh, some good Chinese food, and to go to the Chicago Museum of Art. And I have pretty much lost a month of just being able to get out and enjoy myself. So I plan on enjoying myself. Great. And I'm glad you are on the men, Fran, because this has been a long trip for you. Yes, it has. Well, I have been doing some road tripping recently with my poodle Gaston. But the big news, Fran, the most notable event, the best shenanigan is, Fran, could you provide a little drum roll, please? great actually is that we have reached over 10,000 ambassador listens on our podcast what a great milestone we're thrilled and it's because of all of you absolutely so continue listening because Fran and I are going to keep discussing interesting topics with very interesting people We are welcoming back life coach Jay Julian to discuss the cure for loneliness. Jay, it's been a while, so welcome back to Modern Widow. Oh, it is great to be back. I'm excited. It has been a minute and a half, and this is going to be great. How are you doing? We're well. There's so much to talk about. Let's get started. From an opinion article titled, We Know the Cure for Loneliness, So Why Do We Suffer? by Nicholas Kristoff, he states... Loneliness crushes the soul, but researchers are finding it does far more damage than that. Loneliness is linked to strokes, heart disease, dementia, inflammation, and suicide. It breaks the heart literally as well as figuratively. Loneliness is as deadly as smoking 15 cigarettes a day and more lethal than consuming six alcoholic drinks a day, according to the Surgeon General of the United States. Loneliness is more dangerous for health than obesity, and we have been growing more lonely. A majority of Americans now report experiencing loneliness based on a wide-use scale that asks questions such as whether people lack companionship or feel left out. Yet, there are solutions to loneliness, and that's what we're talking about today. There has absolutely been a lot of discussion on this topic lately. First of all, I do want to say that I do understand the reality of loneliness for a lot of people. As Sherry and I have experienced this, those who have lost a spouse, a partner, their families, partnered with a mobile society with multiple moves that aren't really conducive to nurturing. Yes, it is not that we are not sympathetic to this, 
there's so much more to it than that. And I thought that one of the best comments out of that uh, study was that social connections increase the odds of an individual surviving over roughly the next seven years by about 50%. Wow. So one of my questions is that other countries are being proactive and taking the loneliness epidemic seriously to the extent that some, uh, Britain, Japan, Sweden, for example, have appointed ministers of loneliness or social concerns to the extent that Britain has allotted some $100 million since 2018 to address this. Why do you think our country has not? I'm not 100% sure of that being not in government, but it seems that other cultures are a little bit more community oriented than we are. So it could be some of that. I know here in, in the United States, it seems that we have a lot of every man for himself going on right now, a lot of stress going on as well, and everybody's just trying to make it. So it's possible that the focus is just not there. Also, it could be the differences in government structures, the way that they do their thing over there, their priorities, their policies. And then also here, a lot of times what happens is the government will just put together a grant and then offer the grant to individual organizations, nonprofit organizations, local level organizations to try to conquer, say, loneliness. And so without a dedicated ministerial position here in the United States, they try to just, I think, fund it out to the local organizations to take care of it. And it's not happening, unfortunately. I think the one thing that I got from all of that in the article was that we are not the only country that is dealing with loneliness, although maybe we aren't as well as other countries. Loneliness seems to be a worldwide issue right now. What I thought was very interesting in the article was it discussed that the Great Depression was economically devastating and yet the mortality rate did not rise, but it actually fell. The author states that perhaps this happened because in the 1930s there were community institutions, church, men's club, women's club, bridge clubs, bowling leagues, extended families that buffered the pain of humiliation and economic distress. When I was thinking of that, having read the article as well, it's interesting how times have changed and cultures have changed. I remember I uh, used to hang out with my grandparents a lot. They were the best. Uh, totally love them. Major influential in my life. They were so social. They didn't have a lot of money, but they had a lot of friends. And for them, even travel and things like that, it wasn't their prime goal. They would have family reunions. They would have summer picnics. They would do the Knights of Columbus organizations and things like that. I remember they would do game nights and, you know, nobody had any money, but they could all show up and bring something and they'd sit around and play and talk and they'd go dancing and just do all kinds of things together. And it was interesting. Once that generation passed, I saw all of it stop. 
even the family events for holidays and things all stopped. So it seems like it was a cultural thing for a generation too. And it may be that coming out of World War II, everybody had to come together if we wanted to survive, if we wanted to thrive. People started working together. Everybody picked up a hammer and started getting to work. And there was some sense of community, some sense of pride, some sense of a mission. They had to come together if we were going to survive. And now it's a totally different era. It's a tough one. And I was thinking about how in the 1950s, all the track housing started coming. Uh, after World War II, there was a lot of money. And so people had some money to spend and they were getting their American dream, which is moving out of the cities and into the suburbs. Once they moved into the suburbs, they are now garages. People would come home from work, drive into the garage, close the garage, and instead of sitting on the front porch, people start sitting in the backyard, isolating themselves from the community, coming out of the cities now, and it became more of the go to work, come home, hang out with your immediate family, and that's it. Culture changed in that regard once money started to come. So I wonder if that might play a factor as well. And now, of course, in our world today, it's a technology world, which seems like it connects us more than ever, but I think people are more isolated than ever as well. That was one of the statements in the article, that wealth has driven us to solitude. People made more money. They wanted a bigger house, a bigger car. They could move further away from people and community. And then once they got that big house, they were behind gates. They left in the morning, went to work, came home. And I think of prior to all of that, we were an agricultural society maybe 150, 200 years ago prior to the technological revolution and the industrial revolution and the, all of that. And so people lived in like compounds with family. They lived out in the farms. They had to support and love each other and care for each other and take care of each other. You don't have to do that anymore. You can build your own kingdom, but what we find is you build your own kingdom, you lose your community and all of a sudden the kingdom crumbles. I think the internal kingdom crumbles. What I think of in this is everybody gets lonely at times, even if you are connected, even if you do have great family and great community, we get lonely at times. We're not supposed to live in a perpetual state of loneliness. Some of that is cultural, some of that is perception and expectation, and some of it is just actual real loneliness. And what I mean by perception and expectation, I think that Looking at social media now, you look at people's lives who are presenting as if everything's amazing. Look at my friends, look at my stuff, look at my travels, look at these things. But a lot of that's not real. They're only presenting the best face, the best picture. But behind that uh, post is actual loneliness. I'll post something, I'll get a, an affirmation, I'll get a, a little bit of attention, get a little bit of love from the community. But as soon as that's done, I'm longing for real connection, to really be known, to really be cared for, not just to watch someone, but to actually, you know, be able to put a hand on a shoulder or get a hug here and there. And I think we used to get those kind of things prior to all this technology. So it's kind of a hard challenge right now because we can feel like we're connected and not be connected. Some of the things we really need to do is put the thing down and go out and be with real people again. The expression came up with was FOMO. You're missing out. Everybody else doing all these fun things and having relationships. And if someone doesn't have those kind of connections in real life, they sit there and go, oh my God, I like, what is wrong with me? We saw like COVID and that whole thing 
that was just wild. The um, loneliness epidemic just rose right there. You can't go out. You can't go anywhere. You can't show up at the store. You can't show up at church. You can't go to your social clubs. And even though it wasn't a long period of time, it was enough to send social people into isolation and kind of launch even further epidemic, if you will, of loneliness. Now there's the fear factor as well. Oh, I, I'm afraid to go out. I'm afraid to connect. You know, there were two things that you brought up and they brought back great memories. The first one was about my parents' generation, your parents' generation. You know, they had little money extra to spend. So my mom and this club went on for years. It was called the Variety Club. The club did not have any real goals, but what it had was 15 women who were good friends taking one night a month and meeting and having dessert, maybe playing cards, getting together. I used to love it when they had Variety Club at my mom's house. It was a lot of fun. We have to take a step back and say, what is good for us? And what is good for me is to go out once in a while. I am saying socially, be it going to church, joining a women's club. Those are the things that you get connected and you meet new people. That entails putting yourself out there. I think that some of the appearance of loneliness is self-induced and there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. I'm not sure how you help someone who says they're isolated or lonely, but then they reject all of your suggestions. Get yourself out among people and talk to them, but they shoot down every suggestion that you have. So how do you help someone like that, Jay? Some people are extroverts. Some people are introverts. Some people are somewhere in between. I would say first, if, if it's an introverted person, they've kind of in a depressed state, maybe they've tried or they've gone through some hard times in their lives, then the fact that they have you caring for them is a good thing. So I would encourage first to kind of hear the person's story a little bit, listen and empathize, don't judge, kind of get an understanding. Okay, maybe they aren't ready to go just jump into a club, but maybe we can encourage them to just go out for a few minutes with you. I definitely recommend, if you know somebody's lonely, be the person that can help them by just being there with them for a minute or two or 10 or 15. Make it short, make it sweet, give them a little taste, help them walk across the road, if you will, and see what's on the other side. I would encourage low pressure activities for someone who's freaking out. I'm fearful. I, I don't know what to do. I've tried it before. It didn't work. Okay, let's try something small. Let's go to a smaller place. So I would encourage do it with them. Do it empathetically. Be patient. Definitely don't be judgmental. And then lead by example. It absolutely is baby steps, but you have to be willing to make that first baby step. Absolutely. Here's an example. So I was going through some hard times recently and feeling lonely. Notice I say feeling lonely because you can be lonely or feel lonely. And I think feelings can come and go. I would recommend if you're dealing with loneliness or if you're trying to help somebody to help them to be mindful. There's actual behavioral practices, cognitive behavioral practices that can help us with the perceptions of loneliness and help us to start to ask questions. Is that really true? One, I think being alone is not a bad thing. Sometimes it's a very good thing to take a walk by yourself. 
and then you have to ask the question, well, is that really true? And how do I know that's really true? You know, and then you find out that's not really true. People do care about you. They're just doing their own thing. And so you start to question your thoughts and be mindful of the energy and of the thought processes you have. That helps. You know, I heard somebody say recently, and I thought this was an excellent thing, and this is going back to mindfulness, going back to our perceptions, questioning our perceptions, what is really true versus what we're kind of making up in our minds too. And there's a little bit of a fine line there. Happiness is an inside job, is a huge concept. Yes, we need each other for support and all that stuff. But like, if we're not happy, and I've done this recently, and I go back to even what Sherry was saying, you know, join a group, do something. You've got to do something. And if you don't take a step, you're never going to get where you want to go and you're going to be stuck. So ask yourself the question, how do I feel and what can I do? And if you sit with that for a moment, without any judgment of yourself, without any shame, but here's the situation. I feel lonely. I feel isolated. And then I would asked, well, what am I doing about it? I said, what can I do? I'm like, well, I'm a guitar player and I love playing guitar and I'm not doing anything with guitar. So I went and got a band together. And now every week we get together and play music. And then we did some gigs and we went out and had some fun. And there are times when I'm feeling lonely, but I know that three days from now, I'm going to be with my friends playing music and laughing and supporting each other. So again, it is choice. You're absolutely right. If you make the choice, you'll find the happiness. And I think it's the, the inside job is I don't want to feel like other people are um, how I'm going to find personal fulfillment. They can be an addition to my life, but I have to find the peace and fulfillment within, then go out and connect. And that also be that I'm more healthy so I can be a better friend. And I also have a better perception of how to receive them and their friendship as well. And, you know, when you have those thoughts that, oh, I'm the only one that's lonely, I can't get out of this, I like to call those thought distortions. And you are right. You sit back. Okay, now this is a thought distortion. How can I move away from that and think of something more joyful? You know, the hardest thing after my husband died was going out to dinner by myself. I can go out to lunch anytime. It doesn't bother me. But for some reason, dinner bothered me. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, that was probably one of the biggest steps when it comes to loneliness for me. I just could not do that. But now I can. I remember uh, seasons of loneliness throughout my life. When you feel that way, Embrace it and don't give yourself any shame for it. Comfort yourself. It's okay to feel this way. That's understandable. Now, what are we going to do about it? And then generally, if you acknowledge it without any kind of shame, that's okay. Don't ever shame yourself. And if you feel a certain way, acknowledge it. But then ask yourself the questions. Cool. So now what can I do about it? Be around people, even if you're not fully engaged with people. If you feel lonely and it's happening often, get out there. You don't have to be Mr. or Mrs. Extrovert, but you're in a place and in a position 
where you can make some connection. So sitting at the coffee house, maybe somebody's sitting also alone at another table and all you do, just give them a nod. That's it, a nod. And for whatever reason, that little tiny connection makes a difference for the day. Uh, I also want to say if somebody comes to your mind, I would encourage you to call them or text them as fast as possible. I would encourage you, if you're feeling lonely, think of someone else who might be lonely and then help them or even volunteer. Uh, I knew a friend, Bill, who would go to the hospital and stand at the door and greet people and help the people in and out and all that kind of stuff because he was retired and he didn't want to be lonely and he wanted to help other people. So I'd encourage you to serve someone else and you won't feel as lonely. And, you know, I did that after I lost my three poodles in 2021. They all happened to die the same year. I decided that I would go to the Humane Society and walk dogs. And I did that for, oh, maybe a half a year, six months. And then I decided that I was going to get my own dog again because that was also part of the decision. Do I get another dog or do I just walk Humane Society dogs. I have to say, that was fun. Jay, you have given us many great ideas for conquering loneliness. And we Americans are a lonely crowd. Overwhelming evidence, though, suggests that for the sake of our happiness and well-being, we need each other. There was a proverb that I had read that said, two are better than one, because when one falls, the other can help him up. If not, like, how are you going to get out of your own pit? How are you going to make it if you fall? So two are better than one. And I'd encourage you, too, that we don't need a lot of people, but one friend can make the difference. One conversation can make the difference. So start with one. I think you also have to ask yourself, what brings me joy? What brings me joy? I love to be in the outdoors. I could definitely join a hiking club, go bike riding with someone. What gives you joy? So good. And when you're doing it with other people, that synergy, that energy, something to talk about later. Do you remember when we climbed that hill and we almost all died because we were out of shape and it was the first of this season and, oh, and then it started to snow. You know, you have memories. Jay, this has been a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you so much once again for being a part of Modern Whittle. Thank you. I am so glad to be with you and uh, great times. You're doing a great job. Come back soon, Jay. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. We owe enormous thanks to Life Coach Jay Julian for being on our show today. A big thank you to our listeners for tuning in and listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Fran, we received many great comments about our aging podcast, and I would like to share one of these. A listener writes, Dear Sherry and Fran, kudos to you both for an inspirational podcast on aging. It was both poignant and humorous. I feel that finding the humor in everyday life is an important weapon in fighting the aging process. Thank you for this very important podcast from a listener who is grateful for every morning when I wake up on the right side of the grass. (laughs) That's good. If you would like to write a comment, our email address is 
modern.whittle.podcast at gmail.com. Again, modern.whittle.podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at modernwhittlepodcast. You can listen to our podcast on the following apps. Anchor, Spotify, Breakers, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. I'm Sherry. And I'm Fran. And today's closing is from Ernest Hemingway, who we all know dealt with many demons during his lifetime. And it does work back to today's topic. He said, the world breaks everyone. And afterward, some are strong at the broken places. Be strong in your broken places. See you next time. Bye-bye.